four we're doing at my house this time because it just worked out nicer in Westport and we're in the studio where I create almost everything that happens. Feels more homey. Very homey. Hell yeah. Look at the sauce. Woo! <laughs> and collectibles, my can collection, and uh, yeah. And then we have this great fellow here today, Joshua. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so yeah, we're gonna uh, we're just gonna start off the same kind of way we do all of them. Um, where were you born? And uh, yeah, just to explain a little bit about yourself and your story. Sure. So uh, my name's Joshua Hewitt. Uh, I go by Joshua Donald Hewitt on Facebook. And um, I was born in Brampton, Ontario. Both of my parents are from Newfoundland. And uh, I moved here when I was about seven or eight years old. Been here for 22 years now, I'll be 29. And uh, I started uh, involving myself in the community about three years ago when I sobered myself up from 10 years of alcoholism and uh, decided to get mental health treatment and just kind of re-examine my purpose in life and uh, how I belong in the community. And so I did that. I started an organization called Stand Up For Cleanup in about 2017. And uh, I did that with the support of the Salvation Army and a lot of great people in the community. And at first it was just me. And uh, since then it's grown because of my commitment and continue, uh, continual engagement with the community. Uh, to be an evolving story of hope and purpose in the community. So uh, that's a little bit of an introduction, I guess. But uh, totally, yeah. it's amazing, man. Yeah, and even for myself, uh, I met Josh. It would have been yeah, 2017. Um, I did an art show on. It would have been Victoria. Is it Victoria Avenue by the Hub? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. and uh, I met Josh there, and then from there, honestly, our relationship is just like developed and every time we see each other somewhere or he, he finds something out on the street that's metal that I could cut it's like <laughs> it goes hand in hand right it's uh it's literally an inspiring like relationship just met met out of nowhere like that too you know that's kind of what we do right like uh as the name implies standing for clamp like we do do uh community cleanups to try to engage people in their community and help them feel like they belong but we also do like upcycling too to try to help people like reimagine how waste is used right the number one thing is uh reduce but if we can't reduce then how can we uh reuse the recyclables like i don't know we try to do that like your uh, artists are the number one contributor to uh, waste diversion in the sense that like uh things that people would have cast aside to the landfills, like uh, all these metal tools that you see, like somebody would sail uh, the, the blades dull, uh, maybe just throw it in the garbage. But you know, an artist like yourself, mm. you come along with this different perspective and you just try to like reimagine the uses that you have for common waste. And we have another artist in the community, her name's Rebecca Aris. She does glass art. Um, so we saved up like over a hundred pounds of glass um so she can continue doing portraits out of it so that's kind of wow like, yeah artists are oh. out there saving the world every day you know so you know doing what we're doing trying to create a culture uh, stand up for cleanup 
it just kind of walks hand in hand right and mm-hmm. it's really about not just about litter and and cleaning it up it's really about promoting a sense of purpose and belonging uh, promoting connectivity with one another in the community because we feel like like at the root cause of a lot of issues it's connectivity right when we feel like we belong and when we feel like we have a relationship with others in our community uh, more likely to be part of that community and do things to to make it a better place uh, to make it a place that we want it to be and uh mm, truly yeah so that's so. part of what's driving you behind the stand up for cleanup is community and bringing people together yeah i mean one thing i found like when i started this journey it was a really tough time in my life you know i was staying at the shelter working uh well salvation army shelter there uh yeah, I was working at the superstore night shift, so I was working eight hours there doing renovations and uh, just struggling to find a place. I didn't want to commit to finding a place because it's so expensive, like 500 600 just for a bedroom. And um, dealing with depression, and I just kind of thought about like people on, on social media, they were always complaining, blaming one another, just the mm. toxicity, and mm-hmm. it kind of reminded me of like why I wanted to leave Thunder Bay originally as a youth, and I used to have dreams about running the Thunder Bay, trying to get back, and I always questioned it, and I always thought like, why did I have these dreams, and it was always just about like, realizing that Thunder Bay is where I belong, I have an <clears throat> amazing community here, um, that helped me from that, that step of being homeless in a shelter, struggling with a job to starting to clean up garbage on my way home from work and and promoting it in the community and growing it as an organization and uh so yeah community is kind of like a family you know and i feel like i feel like uh it, it really is what drives what i do just seeing people connecting and people having that same sense of belonging that i had when it really started to take off for me. Um, and not just for me, I guess for the community, really, like the effects, uh, feeling like part of the solution. Yes. Everybody wants to be part of the solution, you know. Um, there's so many groups every day created on Facebook because people want avenues to involve themselves in changing society as a whole. And mm-hmm. Like we were talking about earlier, uh, that's really what we need. We need large-scale societal changes. The paradigm's got to shift. We got to get away from our traditional economic values, uh, capitalist-based society, to a more resource-based, uh, gifting society, inclusion, you know, and and just taking care of each other and the earth first. That's the priority. You know, at the end of the day, when we were talking about the pressures, the social pressures that uh, contribute to social evolution, the. Um, the number one thing that comes to mind is is the uh, promiscuity of, of divisive ideas, you know, and that comes from having to compete with one another to do good things in the world. And I mm. think that's yeah. kind of counterproductive if yes, you think about it. competitive nature, eh? Exactly. It's like separates. And really, we could do... Most of the things that I've done uh, for the first year and a half, I did for... Well, the first year I did mostly for free. I didn't pay to uh, bring the supplies there. Eco Superior brought those at first. Um, the Salvation Army drove us to the event and brought uh, volunteers and food for us. Uh, 
at the beginning, Junkaway did our hallway service, and then uh, we had Eco Superior also supplying bags. You know, we had Corey coming and helping us bring garbage around our events. So, like everything we basically did was mostly for free, and whatever financial resources that we needed were given by the community. Wow. Yeah, because uh, of the cause that you're doing. Yeah, you know, and that's that's what's important at the end of the day is that mm -hmm. like we're creating a sense of belonging, purpose for people in that solution. Um, you know, and for me, like, I, I, I couldn't really afford to, to spend a lot of money, and I did spend what I had to, to start it up. And um, when I got the Ontario Basic Income Pilot, and I think it was 2018, that's when we really started to take off because I could be free financially to invest my money in the community. You know, I was able to buy the three wheel stand up bikes and, uh, yep. and I didn't buy those for myself, I bought those for stand up so we could literally stand out more or less right totally, man. Yeah. and just promote the message you know so people look and they're like hey who are those guys you know and and it's like basically your friendly neighborhood spider-man but you know it's yeah. it's actually you know the cleanup guys they'll look they're cleaning up the garbage again why are they doing that well because i don't know we just care about our community and that's exactly yeah. what happened to me it was like at my art show i seen him just like like he just said like this guy stand this stands out to me what's he doing mm -hmm. i see them picking up garbage and stuff right and it's just like yeah it fucking hit me so deep and and it still still resonates with me every single day you know just thinking well, about it like you just like you just said you know like um I, there was a shawl documentary we did uh last year i believe and one of the things i said is like uh my friend brian hamilton said work is a universal language and like when people see it they either join in or they take respect to it and it, and mm. it just kind of like mm. it touches them in a way um that kind of propels the change that we need totally yeah. and at the end of the day that's that's kind of like when you see that's why i chose the rainbow colors and the and like the logo and the I name like it. I like it's it. all the people involved right it's all the faces mm. that we see every day and these are the people that are gonna like propel us to change our lives, you know? When I get up on stage once a year and talk at Rock and Recovery Day and I talk about, you know, um, having this, this story from addictions, you know, and, and struggling, uh, being banned from the shelter, being out on the streets, sleeping at the Court Street Parkade and people's vehicles and breaking into sheds and abandoned houses and just for a place to stay and, and, and the things that changed, you know? Um, it's really about like inspiring hope in other people, you know, mm -hmm. and I couldn't have done it without connection to other people, connection to God, you know, um, having purpose and maybe it was forgotten for some time because, you know, like I said, I was experiencing addictions and mm -hmm. I wasn't really sure where my life was headed at some point, you know, before I even... At the very beginning of Stand Up For Cleanup, I was suicidal. I didn't know if I was gonna make it through the year. I was like, you know, it's great that I'm doing something in the community. It's great that, you know, I could finally be involved, but because it wasn't taking off in the way it was, uh, and because I was still struggling financially and housing-wise, it was just so difficult. And, um, you know, I was at my mother's, and I guess the Thunder Bay police had been there, and they had overheard I was going to threaten to go kill myself on my bike and uh, they took me to the hospital and it was good they did because they saved my life you know they took me there and 
I got time to think, you know, instead of just rushing off in circumstance and under that pressure, eh? Under that pressure, right? And it really forced me to re-examine my life. And, you know, like I said, like I kind of said, God's really important to me and having a relationship with my creator and uh, sharing that relationship through the work that I do is important to me. And, and I can't do that if I take my own life or if I'm not here or, or present in what I'm doing, right? Mm -hmm. And so, like, I think we were talking about this earlier. You just had to break free of the ideas that I had about myself at the time. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of like, it, it says in my numerology, that's kind of like about who I am, you know, like it's constantly about this destruction and creation and new ideas, you know, through cycles and, and growing through experience, you know, and mm -hmm. it's been tough on the way. And, uh, you know, I'm just uh, I'm thankful to be here, uh, both through the people that I hurt and, and the people uh, that have helped me along the way. And, and uh, everything I do is for, for them and you know for that relationship mm -hmm. yeah wow, that's yeah. so touching it's so powerful yeah, yeah it kind of like i i know oh. it just kind of goes in a circle a bit but it kind of like revolves around too. like it does it's man it, circle right there it kind of goes in like <clears throat> what comes first the chicken or the egg well the whole thing just kind of exists you know it just is what it is you know mm -hmm. like we always get into discussions and it's like it, for a lot of people it could just be like black and white said and done but for us, it's like putting on prism glasses and like re-examining all the spectrums of the world and the relationships, you, you know. Yeah, and, I like how you explain it like that because um, it's so true. We go through individual processes and we break it all down. It seems like us, like the people when we get in these conversations to, and we connect like this, right? Yeah, right? it's it's so neat and I, I feel I get an adrenaline rush off of it basically, right? Mm. It does feel it good because we're growing. Yeah, it makes spiritually you feel good and inside. physically, like I like to say, social, morally, and spiritually. It's like a like a unity triangle, you know, those kind of things. Like we're socially growing, right. we're, we're growing like morally. We're kind of developing together. We're sharing what's our values and everything, and we're spiritually mm -hmm. growing as beings. You know, because at the end of the day, that's that's what it is. Even then, our knowledge and our wisdom is just temporary. We're only here for certain amount of time and the difference that we make and the things that we share <coughs> things that we teach with people uh, that's what that's important mm -hmm. you know i think like about it's wealth physical wealth is is not going to come with you when you die you know so knowledge isn't going to come with you as well you know the things that i mean maybe in a spiritual sense there's some part of your soul and your being that carries on but those physical things your your memories and the things that you shared in this life you know that's Mm -hmm. those things you leave behind for people it's it's creating wisdom and experience and uh or not wisdom experience wisdom and uh relationships for other people to share in mm -hmm. the future right that's kind of like you know you think about a funeral for example uh like i don't want my funeral to for people to just mourn me you know i'd rather it be like a celebration mm -hmm. of life yeah yep you know and yeah, yeah take my uh my body and like use it to plant trees or something cool you know <laughs> like have them out cast it on the other places and then like oh i don't know but like it's just about like even that experience we share like a funeral or that kind of gathering a wedding it, it's it's fostering a relationship with uh people new people yeah. right totally so like our whole the Buddha says life's purpose is to have purpose, right? And that's just kind of like, it speaks truth, you know? Mm -hmm. And um, 
I think, like, when, if, if, if life's purpose is to create purpose, and if God says that we were created in its image, then wouldn't it be, like, uh, rudimentary, like, wouldn't it be clear that it's our goal to promote consciousness through, like, just being who we are? And, oh, do you yes. know what I mean? Totally. Not just, like, oh, being I'm... who a, we are. Yeah, you know, like, <laughs> I don't know how to, like, to break that down any simpler than it is, but, mm -hmm. like... I know, it's it's hard because... I as think hard as society pushes you not to be that person... Be um, who you are? Create your own opportunities. Mm -hmm. Opportunities don't knock, they... they well, they do, but only if you create the door for them to knock You're right, at. you're right. You know what I mean? <clears throat> that's that's yeah. the thing, right? That's what they call the precondition. And just like how society needs to change, and we're having this discussion right now, we're creating the social precondition for change. Mm -hmm. you know? Opening that door and having a peek in, right? And and hopefully in hopes that one day It'll other, tap other, other people, people open that door too and realize like, mm -hmm. holy man, I feel living my life this way feels a lot better right i feel and i feel like we're, all of our stories like just how you shared your story we've all come from alcohol background addictions mm -hmm. right and like we've all been there lost and feared and totally like misplaced with who we were but now we've all gone beyond that and we're now at a place where like we're comfortable Drinking coffee yeah, <laughs> but expressing like who we are as individuals, you know That's what I right. mean? Yeah, and it's and there's so much power and like in, in being able to express who you are. Oh, Absolutely. and as bizarre as it is right now in this present experience, the thing that's going through my head is there's three of us sitting here, having, we're creating vibrations, having coffee, talking like this. But five years ago, I would have been Jonesing. To go drink yeah. or go party with some friends and never experience this right here. Ever. I yeah. never ever got this connection right here. But I was there smashing back beers, drinking hard shit to try and what? Drink Connect away. something maybe to yeah, try yeah, and get yeah. get this what we have right here. Or to hide something. To maybe, right? Yeah. It's like escape, yeah. To yeah. escape this, maybe. Maybe. Cause For I was me scared. it was like all the pressures, right? Like all the pressures growing up, like being abused, sexually abused, teachers beat me up and uh, locked wow. me in a room. What? Yeah, when I went to uh like like so like not just that, there's a lot of things I escape from, but like the reason so I got diagnosed with compound PTSD in twenty eleven. And like I, and I never addressed that right away because I was an alcoholic, but that's kind of like what I was escaping from. Mm -hmm. I, all this time, like I had all these issues and mm, I didn't wow. understand it and they were always right. a big pressure, right? The, so the issues that you had in your life. Yeah. Big pressure. Cause you were, they're and I didn't know I had this like yeah. mental illness, right? <clears throat> and even when I did, I didn't understand what that meant. Until I got sober, so like that whole time, like I was using alcohol to escape those feelings, the guilt, the uh, uh, trying to forgive myself and trying to forgive others, trying to hold back my anger or depression, and and uh, unbelievable. Eh? Yeah. And the same thing, do just that. yeah, like trying to fit in with other people who maybe had those problems too, and just like, and it promoted bad behaviors, but like. Yeah, like, I don't, I don't know, like, it took a long time to just kind of realize that that wasn't, you know, wasn't, 
that wasn't a reality. When I got sober and I started re-examining where those problems came from, I looked at like an example would be like those teachers, you know, like I, in, it was grade three to five, I went to ball or grade three to six until I got transferred. I went to Balsam Street School. Uh, it used to be located in Balsam. It's now Superior. Yeah. Uh, collegiate, I think, or yeah. Superior, something like that. And uh, there was a teacher there, Mr. Martell, grade five. And uh, I, I used to get abused by that teacher. He used to hit me in class. And uh, I remember he kicked me over a chair and during reading time, uh, whipped my hand with meter sticks and they used to suspend me and blame me for a lot of problems in the school. Like it was terrible, yeah. And um, that's where I was talking to you earlier about the medical abuse. I was on Ritalin for ADHD and the teachers would say like, if you don't do what we tell you, then we'll tell your parents that you're being bad and we'll get them to raise your medication. Wow. And they Talk did. about just totally confusing a child, eh? But at the like, time, these like, people thought that was okay, right? And nobody, and but like, here's the thing, like nobody believed me this happened because it's, yeah, it's the no, 90s, right? Yeah, your fault. Yeah. And then you just take I'm the kid lashing this. out. Yeah, exactly. It's all, and then you're just like, it's all my fault. So your whole I'm life. I'm not good enough. Now I'm an adult and I have still have those problems and people don't understand. They victimize me yes. or demonize me and they don't understand that that's the reality I grew up with. Oh, look right. at that power. You know I can I... just feel it in my fucking body right now. Yeah, it's giving me and I'm, like, I'm so sorry for any pain or harm I've caused anybody. I never intended no, any of that. No, because you don't even thing, know. I've always just intended to manifest love and compassion you know the relationship god shared with me to get me through all that stuff yeah you know if it wasn't for for god i wouldn't be here today mm -hmm. you know it just, just didn't just get me through like that stuff as a kid got me through like saved my life from a fire you know my friends were like whoa it's like you know but the back to this story it's just like you know um that school you know and and, and they uh they locked me away in a room they decided to, at some point, that um, because I wasn't integrating or doing learning the same way as other kids, uh, I, I wouldn't read. I would rather write or create maps during because that's how time. you work as a human. That's and my that's, learning. That's your learning. It's right. just like yeah. you're getting disciplined for not allowing to express what you are. Oh, what you, yeah. And then something. People eh? tell you just be who you are, but then they take that away from you. Your right to exist. Yeah, and you have to do it like this. And if you don't do it like this, we're going to lock you in a room. If wow. anybody wonders why I'm such a fighter now, it's because every day I've had to fight for my right to exist as wow. a being, right? That's power. And, um, yeah, so they locked me away in a room for like eight hours a day. It's eight to four, and this what? happened for a while. Eight hours a day. Lock you in a room. Or however long the school day was, like 8 to 2 or 8 to 3. And they would make me do my schoolwork and only give my lunch. And, uh, of course, I wouldn't really do that schoolwork, right? And, like, uh, yeah, so that was really rough. And I got beat up by kids, too. You know, I, I had my teeth actually got repaired a while ago, but it was chipped because some kid pushed me into the door uh, when they opened it. Like, they hated me. They used to throw rocks in my face. They used to call me uh, buck teeth, retard, faggot, gay. Three kids used to come up every day at the school, knee me in the balls, every day. Ugh. And um, it was it was tough. People took my stuff. I broke my toe and I, by the same teacher. Another thing he did, he made me dump my desk out by myself. 
and I dropped it on my, my toe and I fractured it. And break it, I fractured it. And uh, I got suspended. Like he, he threatened kids like anybody who helped me would get suspended or punished. And uh, here's the worst story. Um, there was butterflies growing on a pot in the back of the room. And I remember, like I was probably about eight or nine at the time, maybe even, yeah, probably about nine. And there was, uh, I came up to him and was like, Mr. Martell, there's butterflies growing on the back of the pot. And then he said, oh, nice, Josh. Now you've ruined it for everyone. And then he's like, come with me. I want you to see what you've done. You know, and so he took me to the pot and he grabbed the butterflies and, and he crushed them in front of me and, and he threw them in the garbage and said, this is all your fault. Why well, I have to ruin everything for everybody. You know, I was, that was, it was powerful and it still hurts me today. Mm. Oh, you got, that, you got some healing to do. I went home and still, my parents didn't believe me because like I said, it was the nineties. They didn't believe yeah. this stuff happened and. So I got punished, you know, I go locked away at school, wow. beaten it's at school. Looped, and then the looped oh, memory, go see? Home. Yeah. That's what plays now for away you, right? Home. Until you heal, yeah. Time Until to get the bum spanked or the belt or... I didn't get the belt very often, but, like, uh, yeah, I did get the bum spanked. And so how do you heal? How do you how do you heal from such trauma? And that's just one, one example, you know, mm-hmm. that's not even... Yeah, family even... sexually abused me when I was really, really young. And like, yeah, so there's all these different, and I'm in counseling right now for, uh, I like in a group counseling, and I find that I identify with all these people because like a lot of these things happened to me, all of them at like different points in my life, like nothing just stopped happening. It's just one after the other. Um, so yeah, that was like, that was one of the things that alcohol, like I just, when I finally found a group that would let me do this kind of stuff and when I had that freedom to do what I wanted to, I just, and at the time, what really drove me into alcoholism is I was with a girl for three years and we kind of had like a life plan together and an apartment and um, she just left one day and it was my fault, you know, I wasn't the best person and I didn't realize that I was being abusive because of the trauma, you know, and uh, and that would it was uh, and it wasn't that I was necessarily being physically abusive because she beat the crap out of me. She's a black belt. <laughs> I'm just saying, you know, just, like she scared me because I remember just getting the one time, uh, like just say something uh, at the one time where just like it just boom knocked me out. But like, wow, you know. I was just like, don't mess with girls, man. They're just as tough as guys. And sometimes smarter, too. But, like, my behavior was abuse, beha- uh, abusive, right? Like, I didn't realize, like, I was being emotionally and financially abusive. Like, different things, right? So, I went through, like, having to reevaluate everything in my life. Like, how I acted towards people. I did counseling before about uh, abuse and learned different forms of abuse. And tried to talk to other people about them being abusive, but they just, you know, it feels like nobody listens, you know? And, mm-hmm. but, uh, yeah, it was tough getting through all that stuff. And I didn't really have a lot of friends growing up because we moved a lot also. So because we moved from Brampton to Thunder Bay, you know, uh, my parents from both from Newfoundland, they moved to, to Ontario for opportunity. 
and uh, so it was difficult to kind of like retain our culture and kind of like where we were coming from, you know, and that's really important to me too. Um, I might live in Thunder Bay and Thunder Bay might be my home, but like I, in my heart, like I'm still a Newfoundlander, you know, like I, that's what I grew up with, you know, like I take the shirt off my back for anybody, you know, and, and just kind of like my home is your home and uh, just a heart for the world. I don't know. I, yeah, I've, I've felt that honestly since I met you, Josh, that's one of like the coolest things and Breaking down the layers of trauma is really tough, and even I find every day there's new things, new triggers, new interactions, and uh, I've made, yeah, I've made some enemies along the way, and, you know, it's unfortunate that we can't all grow from our differences, but, like, I accept that we have differences, and hopefully that they make us stronger in the end. Yes. You know? Because I think even coming from... Sometimes that means being separated in, in, in a sense, like, maybe these friends have to depart from you in order for us to be stronger. And grow. Yeah. Yeah. It hurts, but that's kind of like the saying, when you love something, you let it free. You know, and I love uh, all my friends and all my people that I meet equally, you know. And, and everybody in your life that is even the community bad. Community is family, Even, like, man. everything that has shaped you, even the bad, have you been able to forgive everyone in your life? It's tough to yeah. say, like, if I've really, truly forgiven everybody, you know, because even some of the things that cause trauma, I'm not even aware of where they might have stemmed from. Right, no. but because when I look, when it's like as you grow up and your life that you went through, and then what the hurt that you cause on other people, you know, you were doing the best you could with what you knew, and like for people to judge you from your past, it's the same as like the people that have hurt you. It's like we don't even know what their history is like and what they've gone through for them to act like that that way you know that could have been the culture to to hit children back then. yeah but even just that's unacceptable it is but have, in their mind right yeah because i for example but yeah right. i'm going through the same environment thing with my parents right my environment growing with my step parents and, and you know split family like that growing up it wasn't easy too same thing we went through like kind of a welfare the environment was the environment and like you're asking Josh about how he's like, you know, it's kind of cool healing that, healing that feeling. It's like, I know in my heart right now, and I'm being completely honest because that's the only way that I'm finding I can truly become who I want to be, right? It's being completely honest with everybody, no matter what, everybody that's watching, listening, doesn't matter. This is me. I'm Mike Jacks. This is who I, this is the legacy I want to you know, provide to everyone. And that's the I thing, leave. like a relationship is a relationship. You're either in it or you're not. Exactly. So right? if you want, like, that's the thing. I dwelled on stuff for a long time and it, and it hurt me. And the hurt just kept me, kept me stuck in this place. But when I realized that I took that hurt now and, and, you know, just set it free, wrote it down on a piece of paper, crumpled it up and threw it in a fire and burnt it. Set it free, right? Let it go. Exactly. I learned that. I learned that through a lot of practice. And, and that's kind of like the answer to your question. It's, it's not like uh, sometimes it's not even forgiving individual people. It's just letting go of circumstances, like unboxing, mm-hmm. unlayering the trauma, the events, the things, uh, the people. And just like there's people 
I'll never get like an apology or, mm. you know, the yeah. school board isn't just going to come out and say, hey, Josh, sorry that like we screwed you up. So here's like $10,000 or $20,000 for your reparations. That's right. You know? There uh, were so many complex circumstances that would have like, yeah, made, so made this process. I have to live with that, it. right? And just kind of grow from it. And, you know, I'm thankful to have influences like people like you and, and my family and the community. And, you know, my family struggled too, but they did the best that they could with what they knew, mm-hmm. right? And I'm so grateful that I've had both my parents. So many of my friends don't have parents. Yeah, and, right. Uh, knowing what it's like to, to value my parents. Mm-hmm. Like my mom's on like her third find of cancer now they found it in her hypothyroid now she's got to go get surgery done for that doing treatments she's had a brain injury called adem which was like lesions on the brain a few years ago she had breast cancer in her her 30s mid 30s so, so like all this is a miracle that's when you really you know think like, about it. like that's an this. inspiration in my life you know my dad you know he had a lot of the same problems i did you know he struggled being feeling like a black sheep and having a uh he was involved with criminal activities and had a criminal background so it was always tough to find a place of belonging and mm-hmm. and like me he was he's using alcohol to escape from a lot of what he went through too and and you know, like he's a big inspiration as well. Like he's taught me the heart, the value of hard work and persevering, and just being who you are, no matter what the the circumstances are. Mm-hmm. You know, and um, they both have a lot of work to do. We all have a lot of work mm-hmm. to do. Yeah. Right. But it's because of you know growing that relationship. Like I could have walked away from my parents in my city a long time ago, but because I didn't choose to make a selfish decision. Because ultimately, it's a selfish decision. Because there's nothing to grow from going somewhere where those cha- where you're not presented with challenges. Where, yeah. where would you go? Where there's no challenges. You know. Where would you go? Not those challenges. That's like kind of what I mean. Like, you, how are you going to run away from problems that are always oh. going to exist in your mind? You can't. Like when I was having my dreams of running back to Thunder Bay, when I thought about leaving Thunder Bay, I was planning. I had a job set up in Halifax in 2015. I could have left there. They would have paid for my my housing. They would have paid me. Uh, I think it was fourteen hundred dollars a month for like live out, and uh, like I so I could have left. And I had friends down there who would have helped me out. But I kept having dreams about like running back to Thunder Bay, and that's mm. the thing I'm wow. trying to say. Right? Mm. That's like no matter where you go, no matter who you become those problems will always be there. I could have chose like, you know, being somebody who doesn't identify always as a male. Sometimes I identify as a woman or not in a sense where I'm engaging in relationships in that sense, but, but the self-perception, like I, I like, I don't know, I explain that two spirited or non-binary gender, but it's just like you, no matter where I go, if I was to change who I am, like if I became a woman, or if I be stayed as a man, those problems are still going to be there for me. If I choose to leave Thunder Bay, you're changing the external. Back, it's I'm not yeah. getting to the root, and that's yeah, kind yeah. of what unboxing the 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 trauma is about too. Is just kind of like unboxing, and then the other piece of it is addiction. Understanding unboxing is like understanding, bringing awareness mm-hmm. to, because without that awareness and understanding, you there's just like. Blockers. Disorientated, and exactly. that goes with the twelve-step program too, right? Like, oh, yeah. uh, I can't even recall now exactly what step it is, but it's yeah. When you like physically admit to yourself and others 
um, forgiving yourself is an important part. Yeah, and you have to, right? Wow, eh? Because we put so much shit on ourselves. Yeah. That's the thing about forgiveness, too, right? You think about the word itself, it's forgiven. You know, when, uh, when you think about Christianity, Christ died on the sins for, for everybody's sins, you know? So when you're like, oh, I can just believe it. No, it's not just like that. It's like this was already given to you. You know, it's not, there's no expectation in anything. Um, it's what you put into it, mm-hmm. you know? And like, like when you're thinking about like forgiving other people, forgiving yourself, getting forgiveness from other people is another thing, right? Cause we mm. grieve ourselves all the time on getting forgiveness from others. Yeah. Which is like, please understand what I'm saying, you know, but we can't force our understanding on other people, no. you know, because our consciousness is our consciousness, right? Mm-hmm. You know, we yeah. might share some form yes. of conscious connection, but that doesn't mean we share the same conscious identity no. um, or expression. Right. And we can't let how they, where they're at, like uh, let that affect who we are and what we're right. doing. You just have to be open and accepting of mm. where everyone else is on their own path. And it kind of like goes back to like the cleanup, right? Like I can't change somebody who wants, I can't make somebody not litter on the ground, but what I can do is create a connection and an example for them to want to change their lives. Yes. Because the environment shapes human, if the environment shapes human behavior, then we need the positive elements like that to help, uh, help those uh, growing identities or this growing consciousness to mm-hmm. find new ways to express itself or to identify in the world. I don't know. Yeah, and on that, that note, we need to like have a refined reward. Yeah. Right? So well, it's like people almost feel it and literally live it as a refined reward. So instead of incentivizing like, good work, in, yeah, in the instead feelings. of throwing your garbage on the ground, it's like let's put it in a garbage can. Or somewhere good so that our kids, our next generations don't have to see this. And that starts to instill, right? After... Doesn't it feel good helping other people? Like, isn't it natural? And just, like, building that into basic behaviors, like not buying a brand new phone. Like, this is a a used phone. You know, it's, like, over 10 years old. Yeah. You know, instead of buying a new phone, instead of throwing your garbage on the ground, instead of buying Tim Hortons versus, like, a local coffee shop, Calico's, Bean Fiend, Upshot, you know? Yeah. you know, it's just things like that. Little changes, but Little changes. huge effects in the long term. Yeah, right? oh, and it shows you to go the kind of person you are too. Because there's times where if I see something on, if I see something on the ground, and it's just like, if I'll I just wa- throw my stuff there too. No, well, I don't <laughs> see. I don't litter, but yeah. when I see something and I walk by it, it's there's something in me now where it's just like. I'm like I, I have to pick that up you know it's like yeah. it's just sitting there no it, joke that's what the but there are some right? people it's like I, I've developed this I never used to but I value the type of person I am to be a good enough person to be like self respect yeah you know yeah. and that's the thing too is like what you put into the community says a lot about yourself if you litter on the ground and you you know you're always angry and negative towards everybody else and obviously that says like you're angry about yourself yes. you don't feel you're organized mm-hmm. you know like uh it's chaos and and chaos without order isn't good you know, oh. it's some kind of imagine that oh. this. that's the balance man that's the balance that we struggle with as a species we were talking earlier about like our baser instincts you know mm-hmm. and that's what differentiates us from animals is our ability to perceive our baser instincts yep and to have these ideas about ourselves yeah we live you in know? a subjective world 
Exactly. Animals don't live in that kind of world. No. Most of their existence is based on their, their instincts and, yes. their, and, 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 and their experience with their environment. Their, and their environment isn't the same environment that we're exposed to in a sense. No, like, because ours is like Their conscious evolved. identity is, is not in the sense that I'm aware that I'm naked and I have clothes, right? When you look at the creation story of Adam and Eve, right? They eat the fruit and then they're like, oh my gosh, I have no clothes. What? I got no clothes on? What? And they're like, you know, they're all afraid because everybody can see that they're they're naked. They're aware of like, kind of like, oh my gosh, you know? But before they weren't aware of like, yeah, you know? And that's just kind of the thing, right? <laughs> that's interesting. It's kind yeah. of another, another little piece of the puzzle, right? It's just like we have yeah. like this identity. And Truly, that animals don't right. Animals don't look at themselves and say, "Oh my gosh, my my junk is hanging about." Mm. Friggin' the horse doesn't care, you know. I'm sure, as, sure as heck doesn't care grazing on grass all day. Yeah. I know. What a freeing feeling that would be, though. But that's yeah, the thing, yeah. right? Like that's well, that's the difference, happen. and maybe like um, I don't know. Maybe there's some portion of that that we're going through right now, like us having those discussions and creating those preconditions for like people to go through those changes. Like every day, people are not everybody, but people are going through uh, experiences that open them up to new 100%. things in life, right? Yeah. Yes, but you have to be open to that to do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because like the experiences this. are gonna come. But if you don't that's like, why people are important too, right? Like having people like in the community who are involving themselves in activities. Like when we do our cleanups, when we have like you look at our team, right? You know, like I'm a person coming from a. Uh, for for me, right? There might be people struggling with poverty who identify with me because I come from homelessness and addictions. They're like, wow, you know, he inspires me. Um, or one of our other organizers, she's a survivor 15 years with HIV. She might inspire another group of people. Yeah, that's Do right. Do you know what I mean? And that's just kind of like the personal connection to get people involved, right? And then once they're involved, you have an example and they just grow on it. Yes. They have the feeling, they're like, I had no idea. And that's the number one thing yeah. for people who've never done it. They come out and they're like, I had no idea it was this bad or I had no idea it felt this good to mm -hmm. express. Like, yeah. This is the the real incentive I'm like is giving. And before we yes. had this this monetized, you know, like, oh, we need to make money to get money and to we need to or we need to spend money to get money, we need to make money to get ahead, and that's success, you know? Like, we had this idea of, like, being a community and growing our community was successful. You know, those were the ideas. And you look at the indigenous culture, and you look all around the world, they had gift economies, and they had the idea of, like, sharing and growing ideas and teaching and healing. And, like, some portion of that has been lost upon, like, this mainstream imperialized capitalized whatever you call it categorized yeah. Yeah. society and yeah, there's a video on that uh, check it out you know it's it's sustainability beyond political categorization okay and it talks about you know breaking down those those uh, in-group biases those uh, perceptions yeah right? those, those those perceptions we have about political issues and social issues that kind of prevent us from 
moving forward, you know, like one of the things I made a post about recently was having friends from all around the world has given me an in-depth perspective about life in Canada compared to life elsewhere. And I made the point of like, instead of examining all the European countries and what they're doing right, because we know that's what we, we should be doing, but the government isn't doing it, right? We need to be looking at how we're doing in comparison to these other countries that are suffering, these third world countries, second world countries, and looking at like their conditions and uh, shaping our culture because it's not much different. We might say we're a first world nation, but we do have first nations and rural communities living in poverty. We have just uh, uh, no drinkable water, and a lack of medical care, education, and other things, third world conditions right here. So we need to be looking at how to address those issues, how they're affecting those nations and how they could be potentially affecting our nation if we're allowing them to grow. And the other part of it is recognizing what makes living in Canada, living in Canada, what, what makes that, why do people want to come here? You trying know? to write that down. We've got to do a podcast because on living in Canada. We ha- like just why do people want to come here? Right? Like, well, it's the thing. Like people feel safe here. They feel like they can create a life that they they, they couldn't have in their own country. They have freedoms that they didn't well, have in yeah, their own country. Healthcare, sure. education. They have a government that could represent them instead of, you know, art artificially or not creating artificial votes and not representing them, so to say. You know, we could have. We, 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 we have like we might have police violence and issues but we have low police corruption in the sense that we don't have border patrol officers taking our identity cards and stuff and, and charging us money to get them back you know mm. um, ah, we kind of do I guess when you think about border in the United States Canada and duty and all that stuff that's the system it kind of is what it is but you know when you go to countries like Bangladesh and Pakistan and you try to leave the country as a resident and, you know, you're told that, you know, oh, but you're not a, a resident of this country, so now you have to go apply for a new ID in order to leave here. And Oh, well, we actually have your ID now, so you're going to have to pay for your ID to leave the country. And, you know, yeah. all these things that we don't have to go through mm-hmm. living in our country. And then we have these audacities, or the audacity to to form bias about social progression and, like, things like basic income, right? Like, there's so much criticism and hate around people getting free money or whatever, right? Oh, yeah, it's, I've heard that since I've grown. There's yeah, no focus same. on the issue of, like, it's it's creating a social precondition for change, an economic precondition. It's an upstream approach to poverty reduction. Mm-hmm. You know, when we use the example of like, the government says the po- poverty, uh, basic income would cost 17 billion to implement for all people in Ontario. Well, poverty already costs 14 billion. And then what about the separate costs of the two bureaucratic systems of Ontario Works and ODSP? You know, those two systems have their own costs attached to them in the court system, the justice system, all these things. Uh, have attached costs to poverty, you know, and and so like we need to kind of like we can't simplify things for people, you know. Um, okay. Com- complex issues can't be simplified because the meaning get, I I, I think the meaning gets lost upon people. And we were talking about that the other day. It's hard to yeah, it's very difficult. Because to... if you simplify things and it's too general, you know, people tend to neglect that there are other things involved. You know, or they form perceptions mm. about the idea that n- neglect that. Okay, 
like there's a there's an example right like let's think about the conspiracy theory community as as we rebranded right there's some people who believe like oh the the new world order is ruled by aliens and then others believe it's reptilians and then some people (laughs) believe it's like the rich bankers and all those people but they're all separate groups you know instead of working together collectively to against a a common enemy right it's kind of a divided viewpoint so that that comes down to like simplifying things right i think because it leaves room for self-interpretation instead of actually what it is you know like when we when we created like when you our minds do that automatically and like it is it is like if i start drawing a picture on a board right like you could there's a good guy to look up his name's jack fresco if you look him up uh, he does a drawing on a board, right, in a classroom, and and it's all about how we perceive and create ideas. So he starts drawing something, and he wants people to to identify what it is from what they think, right? So based upon the shape we see, he's like, okay, we see it. Oh, it's a boat. Oh, it's a plane or whatever. And he's like, no, it's actually a bridge, you know? And it just kind of goes to the same thing. Like, it may not be that simple when we look at issues, because mm. yeah. everyone has their own but view on it. That's kind of how it is, right? Like, yeah. Wow. That's eh? the plain so truth. That's why it. we can't oversimplify <laughs> things like creating social preconditions, politics. You know, we can't just. It's like a simple platform, like oh, vote for this party, and we're gonna do this because they all do different things. Mm-hmm. You know, it's yeah. not totally. creating a social precondition for change, like we're talking about. Yeah. That comes down to creating culture and understanding and, and education too, right? Yeah. And that connection. Mm, I think if you just develop, if everyone could develop uh, empathy for others. Everyone. That, if only we could all be, uh, tele- to have a telepathic connection, you know, and share all of our emotions and thoughts. You know there, what? I, there I, is a solution. I, I think that that's slowly coming <laughs> into play though because of the way that science has like been developing one. And just us as human beings, Could we're you so resourceful in like bending this evolutionary curve, right? You're and already a sensitive human being just from talking with I people, right? I can feel right? goosebumps right. right now. Some people are. Right? But even going further than that, imagine already being sensitive and then experiencing somebody's experiences. Yes. Yourself, then right? you would have an understanding. Then you're not going to sit there and, and judge and hate and be like, you're You would crazy. see things the same way that I do. You yes. would say, oh, wow. So these are the problems. These are, this is what we need to do to fix this because you'd, you'd have the same experiences. Become in tune. So how do you, how do you do that? How do we become more in tune with other people's like, ex- like avenues? Sense. Yeah. We just avenues, create those just avenues like this right now. And I think through, through reading books, through uh, material art taking art is super important man totally you take in the the input that I get from like these books is what gives me yeah these avenues to interact with different people and you were talking with Ben on one of your previous shows you know that's Mm -hmm. another thing like Ben Ben is an amazing performer his music you know what he does and the messages he projects through his, through his music. You know he has the ability to touch millions of people. Oh, I'm just tingling. You know, yeah. I, I totally. one of the things that that really struck me about Ben is just like sitting at the studio one night and he's looking at his uh, Spotify and he's like, "Wow, I have more uh, followers or something than than some of my peop- my heroes." Mm-hmm. How and cool I was is like, that? Wow, dude. And that inspired my Christmas gift. You know, I got him like a little box 
and it was empty and it was just like I just wrote to him I because like I felt like we all struggle with trying to f with the pressures and trying to stay focused on our purpose it's just like here man here's a box it's got nothing in it but it means like <laughs> yeah you know we all come from nothing you know most of us even if we come from privileged background we're a developing human being coming from yep. no experience into this world and growing to be who we are and it's just like kind of looking at like we're going to be nothing eventually so and then and the message was that make the most of life while it counts you know that's nice mm. man and 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 remember you know those moments when you look at spotify and you say like wow you know like i got fourteen thousand people and you know because that's how i look at you every day i look at you i say wow ben you're an amazing person look at how well you're doing you know and and like you keep me you help keep me on track you're one of those people that keep me on track and what i'm doing yeah free me from those those pressures you know so that i can pursue my passion and, and do what i need to do you know yeah if i went home every day and i thought about all the people who didn't want me to do what i was doing or um all the barriers that prevent me from from being who i was then i wouldn't really get anywhere but yeah. as people like you people like you ben you know when you're doing things like this in the community it just um it reinforces them doing the right thing, you know? Yeah. I mean, we all need that inspiration, eh? Like, we're family, you know? We're, we we have, like, a connection, you know, deep inside. And it's just, like, just, like, we're creating avenues for people to to, to, to bring it out. I don't know. Like, uh, mm -hmm. for me, like, great example with you is just, like, your art. Like, right away, as soon as I saw, like, what you were doing, I was like, wow, man. Like, I not only do I love metalworking myself, like welding and working with like, I like that kind of stuff too. But like, I just, the art of the factor that you're upcycling old things and making them new, mm. you know, you're creating like a new way of looking at it. You're, you're helping people reimagine waste. You're, mm -hmm. and you're saving all these things from like the landfill or whatever, or like, yeah. and not even just like, you know, like think, imagine of how many, just even if you bought brand new saws, for example, right? How many of those brand new saws actually go unsold nowadays? You know, when people have like power tools and everything else, mm -hmm. you know, at least at the end of the day, when Lowe's shuts down or whatever, they're not just <laughs> thrown out yeah. or shipped back to wherever you know wherever they went. At least they're getting reused and sold right here in Thunder Bay. Yeah, you know, and I hope one day. Um, what we're doing here you know whether it's your art whether it's stand up for cleanup like it can all move beyond thunder bay and, and help people see that there's more to life than just living and and then there's more to thunder bay than just like what we what we see on tv or what we read about or see in our personal lives you know that's i don't know i think it's a really great place to be i've always felt it's a spiritual gathering place look around the community and you look at the people who are doing amazing things mm -hmm. and you look at how many of those people who aren't even from Thunder Bay who are doing amazing things it's it just kind of makes you like wow that's yeah it is it's pretty amazing well now it's like just from I, I didn't hear about you until we've connected but now it's like how do I I want to help out in a way <laughs> yeah. that I can you know what I mean because I value the planet and 
community and it's like I want to be a part of that because I want that feeling of connection I want that of serving and giving back in some way that's gonna that's why we're branding it now like uh, an evolving community story right like it's Mm -hmm. just like that's what it's gonna be so what's 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 it looking like what do you got planned for this year you have events you said yeah so we got tons of events planned um you know as for like cleanups generally the rule of thumb for our community cleanups we don't fire them up until about the spring of the cleanup campaign kicks off with the city and we kind of sit there with as program sponsors so we'll go around and help people out if they need extra supplies or hands and we'll try to go to as many spring up events as we can to show that like solidarity in the community. This is how we make Thunder Bay look like a more welcoming place, the more mm-hmm. people that work together. And uh, and we hope by involving ourselves in the spring up to clean up events that people will recognize us and, and come out throughout the year. They won't just come out once a year in springtime, but they'll they'll commit to making their community a better place all year long. So uh, community cleanups generally start May uh, twice a month and we kind of pick the locations based upon areas I've cleaned in the past uh, and areas that people identify to us in the community that are really bad. Mm-hmm. We, we Right now, because we're trying to grow capacity, we're not at capacity, we try not to respond, like we don't respond necessarily to small, um, like if you call me for like there's five or six pieces of garbage, you know, like it's not really worth the time to organize a large event you know if i have transportation or the ability to do it then i will do it you know and i promise that i'll commit to whatever i can um but until we grow uh we, we've just stuck to prioritizing high-risk areas mm-hmm. and areas where garbage is all like like there's a large amount of garbage moderate to large amount so for example we were talking about the the shelter house and everything so that area prior to the closing of the Oddfellows would have been a regular area to clean. Uh, it's high risk. There, there's, uh, we've cleaned over 10,000 needles from that area with the help of Superior Points. Um, and we've done probably over 50, 60 garbage bags and a total of two or three cleanups. Yeah. You know, so pretty large amount for such a small area. Mm-hmm. And, um, and where can people follow you then? They can follow us on Facebook, uh, Instagram. I do have Twitter as active. Uh, we do ha- accept emails for a newsletter, standupforcleanup at gmail.com. And uh, the, the main pl- place to follow us is probably Facebook. It's the main avenue. Cool. And our next biggest event coming up would probably be the annual, the third annual March for Mother Earth, and it'll be April 22nd. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. This year we've chosen the Bay Algoma Village and, uh, well, the Bay Algoma District. Yeah. And uh, the previous years we've done, like, Inner City Mall, and I feel like it's kind of a dangerous area with all the intersections. And just kind of not, not really, it's kind of a, a dead zone in the sense where there's nothing, no businesses to talk about, no uh, areas to get involved in. So, like, being involved with Bay Algoma neighborhood would be perfect. It's right in the, the north core there. A historical area, people can get exposed. Yeah. And there's a lot of businesses that already support, uh, you know, environmental action there. And so we're hoping that the Bean Fiend will show up, serve us some coffee while we're marching. <laughs> and 
and uh, we're encouraging people to bring their own signs, uh, support the earth or something. And uh, we'll also have our signs as well for people. So. Cool. Yeah. So check that out on Facebook. Yeah. Cool. There you go. Awesome. Right on, guys. Well, make thanks. a difference. Thanks Thank a lot, Dave Josh, for coming Stand up today. Stand up. That was number four. A couple of cuts because uh, interrupted phone calls. But nah. have a great day, guys. Take care. Sweet. Cool. I got to set my phone up because that's annoying on airplane mode. Next time I'm doing them so that it doesn't fucking keep. Yeah, sorry if it jumped around.